open us our uh, favorite passage. Um, if you haven't memorized, you don't have to, like, you know. I don't have to memorize. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a good passage to memorize. Uh, like we see Isaiah 6, 9 through 10. So what I want you to do, Chad, is go ahead and read 6, 1 through 10. Okay. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean clean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The one of the seraph- then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go with us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their hearts heavy, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Amen. So why are we all here tonight, you guys? Study the book of Isaiah. <laughs> Good. Good why do we want to study the book of Isaiah? To etch God on it's in the Bible. You what? Because it's in the Bible. Because it's in the Bible. <laughs> That's a lame excuse. Okay. <laughs> then why do you want to learn the Bible? That's a lame excuse. Why are we doing that? Um, to be healed. Why, why are we studying what? To be healed. To be healed? To see with our eyes and hear with our ears and understand with our hearts. Very good. Uh-huh. Exactly. Learn, to learn to do good. And why do we want to see with our eyes, hear with our ears, and understand with our heart. Why do we, who are we understanding? God. God. Okay. And why do we want to do that? To understand our own existence, and what we are, okay. and how we are to be, and what is meant for us, and how we are meant for everyone around us. All right. And to be one with him and his program. To be one, to be one with him and his program. I love that. That's what I always thought. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> to be one with him. Yeah. Yeah. What well, What is the word that we learned about what God wants us to um, do with Him? I mean, we He wants. It's actually in this. In here, we learned, or the Greek, the Hebrew word. He wants us to what Him? What is your wife? Your wife wants you to no. know. No. Yes. Your wife really wants you to know <laughs> her. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, which is really a reflection. I mean, you know, Christ is the bride of the church. Uh, what does God want? What does Christ want? Ultimately, it's sort of what you said, that oneness. How do you get that oneness in marriage? You get that oneness by both each 
both people really learning and you speaking and understanding right. and knowing each other so well, you become one. And that's really what we're doing with God. I mean, that yeah. marriage is a reflection of our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why and we're here. And you'll never feel alone in the rest of your life if you do yes. accomplish that. And I think, you know, essentially you say that because I think I um, was even just reading something from someone last night. I think what grieves me is that there's so many Christians who don't experience that oneness with God and that knowing of God and that relationship with God and not be lonely. And over and over again, I don't see them in the Word of God. No. I don't see them in this. No. Or if they're in it, they're in it more of a, um, it's more, well, because I have to or because I'm trying to, under, I'm trying to get something in my head. I have to learn about God but not really meeting God in His Word. So, I mean, that's ultimately why we're here. It, it, is, it is my hope and prayer is that we meet God tonight as we open Absolutely. up this work. So You'll know when you yeah. do, too. You'll feel it's exhilarating when yes. you all of a sudden, bah! Yeah. You, you feel the connection, you get goosebumps, and you're just electrified. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think John 15, uh, I mean, that's the core of the Christian faith. Abide in me and I in you. Yeah. I mean, that you can't get... We were... Um, the staff went up to um, San Luis Obispo, um, up to Regina and um, Terry's new place up there. And we were up there for a few days um, for Jeff's birthday, to celebrate Jeff's birthday. And on the way back, um, Chris Lazat was singing at a Christian winery there called Pe- Peacock. And, you know, you, when you drive in to this winery, you're driving right through the vineyard. I mean, like, literally through the vineyard. And it's just neat when you go up and you walk up to a, a wine, a grape vine, and you look at it, you think when Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, and you look at that, you will see, you, you, you cannot, as, as you get up that vine, you can't tell the difference where the vine ends and the branches begin. Mm-hmm. They are just one. And so it's a beautiful illustration that Christ uses. Abide in me. And the very first thing he says about how we are to abide in him in John 15, right here, oh. do his words. He says that's the number one way you abide in me is you stay in these words. So that's why we're here tonight, just as a reminder. <laughs> um, so, Father, we thank you for just your word. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. Um, This God who is beyond our understanding seeks to be understood. I think of Jeff's sermon on Sunday. There's a paradox for you. Um, He's not fully understandable, but he has given us so much to really personally know him. And Lord, as we open up your word today, may that word be one that we don't just learn about you, but we encounter you today through that word. That we may be people who become one with you, as John said, become more like you, that we will yada, we will know you personally. Be with us, Lord, through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, anybody know where we left off last week? We are moving along. We do a chapter a week. I think, you know, we'll be done in <laughs> a <years>? few weeks. <laughs> we will actually probably do more than one chapter as we get it moving along. We're at least doing one chapter now, so we're picking up speed. 
Uh, I think we're what in second year now, maybe or second or third as we're going along. So anybody remember where we um, left off last week? Anybody who was here? Didn't we leave off at the end of two five? At the end of what? Did we get through two five? Yeah, we got. Yeah, we 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 were at two five. That was the week before that. Did you guys open up. Where did we leave off last week? Anybody remember? Two twenty two. Two twenty two. Very good. Steve, you're going to get like the, uh, you can get a little like, star today, I think. <laughs> Remember that? He's his kids. You get a little star. Yeah, exactly. In 222. Um, and t- today, tonight, we're going to go through all of chapter, well, pretty much all of chapter three, okay? Particularly the first, um, first part of it. So <clears throat> I want you to notice that chapter three um, and I, I, you know, one of the things we will do again tonight is words matter, <laughs> and God's word matters, and God's words matter. I mean, every word in here, you know, Jesus says jot and diddle. I mean, tittle. I mean, every word in here is placed here by God for a reason. And so sometimes we will look at a word <laughs> because that word helps us to know God better. Um, and so this is God speaking to us. And so if you look at um, chapter 3, what's the very first word that God uses in chapter 3? What is it? Four. Four. So when you hear the word four, what is that sort of... Ties into the previous. Excellent, Jason. Ties into the previous. Whenever you... If anybody ever starts a verse... And quotes you something, and it begins with therefore, or for, or because, or then. <laughs> it's like, it's always a good reminder what is this for? You know, what is, what, what is the, why is it, what is it referring back to? Okay. Um, and so, if at the very least, I mean, in one way it's referring to chapter one and chapter two, but if you look at the four there, um, verse 22, where we left, verse 222, where we left off last week, um, and we sort of ended this pretty quickly, is really the sort of the climax of enti- the entire chapter two. Mm. Like, what is wrong with man? <laughs> what the heck is or wrong with us? How is he? Yeah, okay. And God reminds us, as much as he loves us and he calls us his children, he wants us to know us personally. He wants us to stop what? What does he want us to stop doing? Regarding man and whose nostrils is breath. And so what does that mean? Stop. Stop. Look at, have a relationship with me. Don't trust in man. Don't, stop running don't, away. Don't put yeah, your faith okay. in man. You don't try, you trust. Don't put your faith in man. That's good. <laughs> What did you say? You said... Stop running away from me. Stop yeah. running away from me. <laughs> yeah, like that? Idol worship of your sure. own creation. Yeah, exactly. Oh, nonsense. Yeah. So stop regarding... I mean, it's, it's any way in which we are relying on ourselves and not relying on God. It's any way we exalt ourselves <laughs> instead of exalting God. Yeah. Um, and we looked last week that there was in two in chapter two, we went through a number of things last week of how we how 
men do that, yeah. how people do that. Yeah. Um, so if keep you look trying back, to fly upside down. You, you what? Keep trying to fly upside down. <laughs> that's, what <they're> <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Good way of putting it. Um, so anybody remember what are the different ways that this chapter was saying that we rely on man, we rely on ourselves and what we rely on? Um, just as a review from last week. Wealth. The what? Wealth. Wealth. Very good. We rely on wealth. Excellent. It's what? War machine. War. Very good. We rely on... We looked at the military strength. We rely on strength. The very... Good. Good, Pete. Anybody remember of anything else we were talking about last week? I think... I know I heard one person say the word. Um, Source of the I. Idols. Idols. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're working their own hand. So that you know, cars, you know, buildings, whatever, yeah. art, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Right. That we that we place higher than. Yep. If you look at so look at two, look at two um, two six on page sixteen. Just a for those who from last week or if you weren't here last week. So we looked at it. So in chapter 2, verse 6, For you have rejected your people, the house of Jacob, because why have you rejected them? And I love it. I love how, I mean, God just, the way he puts things, it's like so, like, direct. Because you're full of it. (laughs) In essence, you're full of the things from the east. Okay. So you're full of relying on everything in the world. And, and here the East is really, the irony is here the East is, here God has made the nation of, of Israel to love him, to worship him. He saved them out of Egypt. And now what are they doing? They're not turning to him. They're looking to the Assyria. They're looking to other, other countries, other peoples who believe in other gods and they're relying on what they get from that. It's like today, what do we rely on? We rely on the world. We rely on social media. We rely on whatever. Things from the east. Yeah, things from the east. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. is this is this one of those those passages that could get totally like you know misconstrued and like all things from the east are evil? You know, where it's like somebody well, could go it, avoid the east. It's really just, so that's good because it doesn't say that, does it? No. He's being specific, right? And about he, well, and when he's yeah, you're, what what's the problem? The problem is not. I mean, we as like as a country, we have to protect our borders or whatever. Sure. We have to mm-hmm. have you know we're protecting it's, the United it's States. East of the Mississippi. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're now we're talking. West. <laughs> it's east of the 405. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. So the problem is not. It's not that the. It's not that the world is. It's not the world. We have to do things. I mean, I'm relying on technology right now. The yeah. only reason why Gil can be listening to us is because of technology. That's not doesn't make technology evil. It's when we do what with it is what God's saying. Idolize. We do idolize it, right? We yeah. Rely when, it, on it. when it replaces God. When it replaces God, exactly. Okay. So it's not saying we. I mean, we do. We all got here today by car. We we got here by things of the world. God gave us these things of the world. But the point is, are we relying on them? 
or not. Okay. Um, <clears throat> uh, just as a little, just this is sort of like a little, um, uh, what do you want to call it? Segway. Segway, thank you. <laughs> um, verse 22. Stop regarding man. Sometimes it's good to sort of know what the Hebrew is behind a word. Anybody want to guess what the word is for man? Adam. Wow. How do you know that? Adam. He went to school. How do you know that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Many ways. <laughs> Many ways. <laughs> That's exactly what that is. Okay? That word man there is Adam. Adam. Hmm. It is it is the exact same word that is used when God created Adam for Adam and Eve. Adam. Alright? When God says and I created, we read man in our own image, it actually says I created Adam in our own image. Male and female, I created them. So the word Adam, which you'll see Adam throughout Hebrew, I mean throughout the scriptures. But it is, is Hebrew, Adam is a Hebrew. Yeah, Adam, Adam, we say Adam, Adam is the Hebrew word, we say Adam same thing. There's you know Hebrew. You might not think you know Hebrew. Right there you know Hebrew. But Adam is a word that's used to encompass not just a person called Adam. That's if you go back and you read Genesis 2 and 3, you'll find out almost every passage there it will say man, 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 man. And then you'll see the word Adam pop up. All those other man words are actually the same word, Adam. So all of a sudden we decide, the translators decide, I'm going to put in Adam now, <laughs> even though Adam's really been there the whole time, um, because they're going to refer now to a personal Adam. So Adam can be a person. Adam can be, also represents all of humanity. That's so God created Adam in his image, male and female, he created them. So we are all male and female. We are all Adam. <laughs> yeah. May I share um, sort of an, an overall kind of thing I've been picking up and reading this? Uh, that, sure, that, Adam. That, go ahead. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that really um, that, that makes a, a really cool link up for me. Um, it's kind of a two-part thing. One is that it's clear that God wants us to understand the way God thinks, right? right. Don't don't take this from your perspective. I want you to jump into my seat for a minute, right? You know, and, and stand in my shoes, and then look at look at yourself mm -hmm. the way I see you, right? It's important for you to understand how I think, right? right. To perceive, right? And if you ultimately want to behave as I would have you behave, and how, how I am, then you need to know how I think. And very good. And through that, we you were leading us nicely, I thought, last week through the Jerusalem, Zion, city on on the the hill, mm -hmm. you know, 
so on and so forth. And and as I have been reading through Isaiah, the more I'm realizing that um, you know God is not necessarily looking. He's looking at time as we see it when he's addressing Earth, but he's also seeing things on a on a infinite level as well. And so these circles of thought that God expresses and his communication, it's clear that, oh, to me anyway, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems clear to me that God looks at humanity like exactly like what you just said in terms of and his addressing of humanity is such that I'm addressing you, the individual, and I'm addressing all of you as one as well, entirety. I can break you into individuals. I can lump you all into one body. Right. And so when I'm talking about destroying millions of people, let's say, okay, I'm talking about purifying the singular body, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If I need to tear some stuff out of you that's wrong and impure, I'm going to do that on an individual basis and or on uh, a collective basis right. because as far as I'm concerned, you're one thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yet... I've divided you into all these many things. Right. And, and that was like, wow, that is, changes my perspective on, you know, understanding the way God sees us mm-hmm. and looking at kind of, again, big things and big events and, and how do we see ourselves? What is the body of Christ? Right. And we are both that individual, but we're also that collective That's right. body yeah. too. We're, we're both. And that's why we that's need right. each other, you yeah. know. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, yeah, no, and that, yeah, excellent. And it's also something to remind why I do some of the stuff with we get into the Hebrew. We have to remember that we have a God that revealed himself to a people, a certain people at a specific time in history mm-hmm. and spoke in a way of a language that they would understand. So he spoke to them in their time, in their language, and that is universal to us today. For us to understand it today, we do have to understand sometimes to go back to like a Hebrew word and go, wow, that really brings out something I would not have seen in English. Okay, mm-hmm. Or it helps me get to know God better because I see he's talking to what was going on in that culture in that day, but now I get how that speaks to me today. And, and yeah. that also is another revelation in all, all of this is... is there's a reason that God chose those points in time exactly right. to communicate. To Why did Christ come at the time that he came? Right. Why are we supposed to understand the relevance of that time? Right. Right? right? Yeah. How does that translate? And, and, and again, and that's why we're all here. Timeless. <laughs> to do that. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. So, going to now chapter 3, uh, Oh, hey, yo, yeah, I want to make a quote. I want to quote, uh, quote something here, which I actually thought was a really good explanation of verse 22. Um, because we think of idol, you know, we talked last week about idols. And idols is just one way that this chapter 2 speaks of how man is turned away from God. It's not the only way. It's just one way. Um, and we looked at, you know, military. We looked at 
things from the east and insight from others. Control, so, all the ways of control. And yeah, security. all these different ways. And so in verse 22, I like how this this um, this person put this. He said, so this regards verse 22. We just looked at stop regarding man. It says, this verse makes it plain that the passage has not been talking chiefly about idolatry. It does not say be done with idols. Notice that. Okay, it doesn't say stop worshiping idols. No. Okay. Rather it says be done with man. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Mm. Idolatry is a result, not a cause. It is the exaltation of man that results in idolatry. It's when we lift up man. The tendency of human beings to make ourselves the center of all things mm -hmm. and to explain all things in terms of ourselves is the problem. Mm -hmm. Is there any cause to the glory? Is there any, yeah, is there any cause to the glory in humanity? None whatever. For we are mortal, as transitory as a sigh, as impermanent as a breath. Mm -hmm. I just love that. You know? Impermanent I mean, as a breath? As a, impermanent as a breath. Because notice how it says, in whose nostrils is breath. Remember last week oh, we yeah. looked at okay. Genesis 2, 7, mm -hmm. where it says, who is it that gave us breath? Mm -hmm. yeah. God, he mm -hmm. breathed breath. Mm -hmm. Ruha. Mm -hmm. Okay, spirit into us, mm -hmm. you know, with it. So, all right. Okay, so, moving on. So, chapter mm -hmm. 3. Um, I want you to take a look at just that very first opening. For behold, the Lord God of hosts. Okay, here's talking about words again. For behold, the Lord God of hosts. Now, when Chad read Isaiah 6, and Steve was commenting on that, we are not just to hear God's word, but we get to see God's word right here, okay, with our eyes as we're looking at this. So I want you to take a look. I want you to see well, <laughs> see to perceive something, okay? I want you to look at those three words or four, Lord God of hosts, okay? And very specifically, I want you to look at Lord God. Okay. I want you to look at it. What do you see when you look at it? And think about discussions we've had about this before. Oh, all caps. What do you see that is all caps, Pete? God. God. Oops, sorry. God. <clears throat> Tell me what that means. What else, what other word do we see with all caps? Lord. 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 Very, very good. Okay. So, what does, is Lord in all caps here? No. Nope. No. So, what does it mean when something is in all caps? This is, again, the very rare time that the Bible, the Old Testament, is exceptionally consistent in revealing that a specific word to us when something is in all caps. What's that word? Always, always in the Old Testament, when there is a word in all caps, Yahweh. Yahweh. Excellent. Yahweh. Yahweh. Elohim. Not Elohim. That's no. the other one. Yahweh. Right. Well, right. Sometimes, okay. sometimes Adonai, right? Lord in all caps, Adonai. Never. No way, man. Adonai, no. Always, when you see all caps, whether it's Lord 
or whether it's God here, okay. which you see God here. Notice if you just take a look, look up at verse 21. Just move your eyes up to 21. You see Lord there? Mm-hmm. It's in all caps. That's Same. the word Yahweh. Yahweh. So and again, why are we doing this? Because it's like me talking generically about John, Eagle. Okay? I can say, you know, hey guy, <laughs> all right? Or, or whatever, but when I, when I go John, all of a sudden... That's his name. That's his name. Personally. That's a personal connection, okay? And God revealed himself personally to us. So when I see that word Lord in verse 21... I'm either God speaking or we're hearing him. This is like saying, this is like, hey, I'm personal. Mm-hmm. Okay, This is my name. You're calling me by name. And so a lot of times people will make the habit of whenever they see that in the Bible, in the small caps, they will actually say Yahweh. All right? To just remember, this is the personal name of God. All right? So there... In verse 3, that word God is in all small caps, meaning it is Yahweh. It is exactly the same Hebrew word as Lord in verse 21. Okay? Got that? So, now, (laughs) then this gets to sort of what Pete was saying. Notice the difference Lord is in all caps in verse 21, but is not in all caps in verse 3. So what is that word? Adonai. Anybody ever hear that before? First letter letter capitalization. Yeah, Adonai. All right. So here you have the the literal translation is you can go to someone and press them you know like ooh I know some Hebrew <laughs> all right um, you can say stop regarding Adam and then you get to verse three and say for behold the behold it actually doesn't say the but behold Adonai Yahweh of hosts hmm. all right how do you spell Adonai A D O N A I it's sort of a transliteration. Okay, I mean, it's the Hebrew letters that would make that up. Got it. Now, Adonai has a Hebrew meaning. I mean, it means something. Okay, so there's a reason why mean? when God, Isaiah's writing this and God's writing it through him, there's a reason why it's it Lord, why it says Adonai, <laughs> it, it says Adonai Yahweh here. There's a reason for that. Okay. Adonai means sovereign. It is like I. It is. It's the word that means I'm sovereign, in control of everything. It's the opposite of stop regarding man. <laughs> it's like man, you don't. Man, you don't have any control. Okay. Um, it's Except like what he gives us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like who is in control of everything going on in the universe right now? Adonai is a word that's yeah. used to create to get that across. So he's saying, "I be Yahweh. I am Ad- I'm Ad- Adonai. I I'm overseeing and sovereign over everything that happens in this universe." All right. So he's right here declaring himself 
as I am a so- I am a sovereign God. I'm in essence the only God. And then he says, notice, I'm the Lord God of hosts. Anybody know what hosts means? Like, we don't use that word. Do you know, Jeff? Hosts? Angels? Yeah, hosts. Like, like groups of angels? Or angels? Is that heavenly hosts? Yeah. Army? What'd you say? Armies? Armies. Armies. Interesting. Armies. That's the meaning of hosts. I used to be smart. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are good, right? You guys, I'm I'm impressed. Um, That's exactly what it means. It means like armies. So it's a it's it's a military term. So in essence, what you have here is Yahweh is declaring himself, "I am the sovereign over this entire universe." Okay, and I, in essence, have the you want to call almost like the armies. I, 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 I'm over everything. I have the military might. I have the ability to do what I need to do. And what is it you think God's trying to do here? What is God executing on here? Why would he call himself at this point, I am Adonai Yahweh of the armies? What's he about ready to do? When you hear that term, look out. <laughs> look out. Exactly. Yeah, from above. What's what do you get this picture of? Just trying to get a picture of what is he uh-huh. about ready to do? He's, he's flexing his muscle. He's flexing his muscle because he what? He's not he's not a very happy guy. Okay. But what's he doing? What's he wanting to declare here? Judgment. Judgment. Excellent. So this is a term of a God who's done with letting man be man and he is ready to say I'm ready to execute my judgment I I am yeah I just think the heavenly host when you think of that in plural terms what I forget where it is in the Old Testament but I think one or two angels wiped out a myriad of people no problem yeah and here you've got the heavenly host all of them Right. I control everything. They, they rule. Yeah. They yeah. Rule. And they rule because I'm the one that's yeah. king yeah. over them. Yeah. I can call all these together. All right. You want so, to be with them, not against them. Yeah. So what's interesting is this phrase right here, Adonai Yahweh of hosts, of armies, only other than one other place in the Old Testament, it's very rarely used. It's one, used one time in, in Exodus. It is used in Isaiah several times. It is only really in Isaiah you see this God saying, this is who I am, this is who you are as my people, and I'm ready to bring judgment upon what you are doing because you, as we just saw, stop regarding man. You've turned away from me completely, and I'm ready to now execute judgment. All right, You get the sense of... And, and the irony is it goes along with what you just said, Jason. It's not that God... He loves humanity. He created humanity. But he is ready to cleanse humanity. <laughs> you know, that remnant that we read about in, in, in um, chapter 2. You know, that there's going to be a remnant. So you just... Just to get your sense here... God's now ready to say, Here, who, here's who I am. Um, 
and a lot of people say this is the wrath of God, the judgment of God, to cleanse evil, to get man back to where he should be, in his rightful place, <laughs> which is God is in his rightful throne. Yeah. His intentions are good. His intentions are very good. His intentions are ones of, of steadfast love. Jason and I were talking at the sawdust today about how sometimes you pray, all right, use me, God, but, you know, please go easy on me. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> you know, don't, don't come down don't too heavy. Don't my head into the sidewalk again. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Impossible. Yeah. <laughs> so this is where God's going to start talking about, in fact, you can see right there, it sort of gives it away in Chapter 3, the little heading before, Judgment on Judah and Jerusalem. Okay. So you get an idea, this is what God's doing within this section of talking about this. So how do we know where this section of judgment that God is speaking of ends? How would we know that? So God in chapter 3 is going to be talking about this judgment he's bringing on Judah and Jerusalem. All right? How can we find where in chapter 3 that judgment is going to, he's going to sort of end talking about that specific judgment, about what he's going to do. What would be our hint? Something I taught you guys. What would I be looking for? What's the word I'd be looking for? <laughs> therefore. I was no, say, not therefore. Yeah, something along those lines. It starts with an I, and it wasn't idle. In? When you want to know when a section starts and a section ends, I often see that when I see a inclusio. Inclusio. And an inclusio is doing what? It's going to start with something and it's going to end Sandwich. with the same thing, right? right? So where, what am I going to be looking for to see the end? What three words, four words am I going to be looking for? In? No. I'm just what we just talked about. Adonai Yahweh of armies, hosts. Okay? He's the one bringing that judgment. So where God does he... What? The Lord God of hosts. In he, 15. 15. 15. Yes. <laughs> okay? That was kind of a mistake. I just... Open. You just opened a sock. I meant to open to the previous page, but yeah. maybe it was inspired. There, that, there was an inspired that was an inspired was opening. Providence for sure. yeah. And see what you guys just did? You're fulfilling Isaiah 6, or I should say you're unfulfilling Isaiah 6. You just saw. Okay? Yeah. The Lord God of hosts. You just saw the Lord God of hosts. So that's where our section ends. Okay, you guys see that there? Yeah, but at the same time, his, his, he doesn't stop there. Well, he goes on with some other things, but this is where he stops giving you the overall reason for his judgment. What actually happens is after that, he starts executing his judgment. Okay, here he's going to tell us why is he bringing judgment on the people. All right, and then you're going to start seeing him get into executing that. Okay. All right. So he's sort of declaring it. He's saying why, and then he's going to actually talk about how he's going to do it. Okay. So why? So how? What is he going to do? Let's let's start with that. Look at chapter three, verse one. 
what is he going to do when he actually when he's basically saying this is what I'm going to do in executing this judgment? What's he doing? What's he going to do? He's going to take something away from Jerusalem. Yeah, very good. He's yeah. going to take away something from. Jerusalem and Judah. What's he going to take away? Their freedom. Support and supply. There you go. Okay. So listen to this. Okay. okay. He's going to take the good life away. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. He's going to take the good life away. You can't have Babylon and God too. Yeah. yeah. So let's just read through. So what is he going to take away? Think about this. This is the judgment he's going to bring upon Judah and Jerusalem. He's going to take away their support and supply. See that in verse 22? I mean, page 22? Yep. Bread and He's water. Gonna, and what? Bread and water. Bread and water. Uh, pretty much. Um. <laughs> okay. Then he's. what else is he going to take away? Starting in verse 2. The protectors. Protectors. Okay, that's a good way of putting it. His army. Are the armies, yeah, the right? Military fight. The military. Remember how we read in chapter two? What are they relying on? Yeah. Their own military might, not on God. They're not trusting in God. So God's saying, "Oh, yeah. you're trusting in the military might? Oh, they're gone. See ya. Piece of cake. Let me sneeze. They're gone. Yeah. The judge and the prophet. The judge and the prophet. Okay. So what is that? When you hear like judge or you hear a prophet so as you look at these different terms that are being used here what's some different categories you would put these in justice and wisdom okay wisdom all right just i like that justice and wisdom what else what what other types of who are we talking about like a fortune teller i think fortune teller all right army officers and high army officers very good Mm -hmm. so he's taking away the military Oh, the magicians, field sorcerers. <laughs> yeah, so he's taking away military. What did you say, John? The magicians of all people. Right? Yeah, so he's taking away the magicians, which are here. into the astrology then? I mean, yeah, like, and probably magician is not like what we think of no, today. That's right. It can be the people who really understand the dark side. Sort of that type of world, or astronomers, or you know, yeah, people. Astrology. Yeah, yeah. So people who can actually understand the things going on in the world, okay, is a lot of what that is. So he's and the, the elder. I mean, it's key. Basically, what he's saying is, I'm going to take away yeah. anything that gives you any guidance whatsoever. Very good. What's another term that of all of these people? What are these people? What the adjudicators. They're what? That's kind of a tenth grade word. Adjudicator. Judic- okay. All right. Leaders. They're leaders. leaders. They're, they're leaders. They're guys. So you notice what Pete just said? You see that? He's taking away all the leaders over everything in these they're different advisors, areas. advisors, actually, too. The what? Advisors. Advisors. But anybody with any leadership, mm-hmm. military leadership, what other kind of leadership do we see? False prophets. Religious. Religious leadership. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And the kids are going to be in charge. Yeah, well, then we get to that. So you see how he, so he's, so just picture this. This is what God's going to do. All right, he's going to take away all these leaders that all their, the man has been regarding for all of his reliance and is exalting all these people up. He's going to take away all these leaders in all these different areas of life. And what's he going to replace them with? Toddlers. 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 Kids. Babies. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay, see that in verse 4? Man against man. So all of a sudden, all the people who knew and knew how to lead, you now end up with... Um, uh, what kind of leadership do you have now? It's uh, what, anarchy, maybe? <laughs> anarchy, maybe a good word. Yeah, only the fittest survive. People yeah. that are inexperienced and unskilled. Very good. Yeah. See what Charlie just said? Yeah. So yeah. now, yeah. now yeah. you're going to end up with people in leadership who are inexperienced. Mm-hmm. And what did you say? Unskilled. And unskilled. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. And they're going to be very insolent. Right. And then what's going to happen... What's going to happen then when you start doing that? What happens next after you think about the sequence here? You're taking away all these leaders. You're taking away the supply. You're taking away the military. You're taking away all the stuff. Uh, your people who are have no business being leaders are now leaders. Hmm. And what ends up happening? Someone said anarchy. Anarchy. Yeah, yeah. anarchy. Where, what's word? What so? What what words would express anarchy here? What happens under anarchy? Survival well, of the fittest. I just keep thinking, you know, it's like top dog wins, you know, just man against man. Oppression. Okay. What did you say, Jeff? Oppression. Oppression. Very yeah. good. You guys see that in, in verse five? Yeah, absence of, of law and yeah. order. Exactly. And so now what what happens is people start what oppressing one another. Um Everyone <laughs> is against each other. You start seeing division. You just see. You start to just watch this whole breakdown of society. Okay. Then you get the point. Who's in charge of this heap of ruins? You know. Exactly. You would say. All right. I was thinking it's interesting in these how um, it feels like not something that God is doing, like something that God is not doing. Like we take. His is sustaining for granted and assume that it's just a given and so he withholds it mm-hmm. for us to realize oh you are the one give me, giving me the breath right we're putting our trust in man but this man who breathes this air he's like in this position of dependency you know you almost see God saying oh, let me show you how dependent you are right I mean, mm-hmm. but going back to what you're saying but who is executing this because, like what you just said, oh, okay, but who's taking away? I mean, God's taking God's away. It seems like God's just allowing it. Well, and let man to his own demise. So we use that word a lot. We use that word allow, okay? But what is the word that's used here? It is specifically an active verb. God is taking, taking away. away. He is taking this away. So he is, there is the, uh, the removal of this, which then allows <laughs> anarchy to take place, right? Well, it's almost two ways of looking at the same thing. Yeah, right? it is. Because I'm, I'm thinking Romans where he says he like just turns them over, right? Like, exactly. So be it. But yeah. I think it's like Romans, that you have the same type of thing where there is this act. It's good. I think it would be a paradox again on a Sunday when you do paradox. It's like you've got this both active and passive component going on. Totally. Okay. To say God allows it, we use that word a lot as Christians. I don't read the word allow a whole lot in Scripture. I think there's an active component of God doing something, but there's also the sense of now I'm doing something here. What's interesting is what he's doing 
he's not bringing the judgment. He's not, like, as an army, as a military, he's not coming in destroying the people, which he could, right? He could just come in and kill all the leaders. If God wanted to, he could do that. But he doesn't. He, like, removes them, takes them away, mm-hmm. all right? Doesn't even say kill it, just takes them away, and all of a sudden... The people start oppressing one another, and now you just have like this floodgate just opens up. And, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, culture. That, that, that whole like, yeah. like not wanting God to be somebody that does anything, right? It's like yeah. that always was like, what? Right? That's like a kid going, no, no, my dad, um, he's he, um, I, 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 I did it, you know. Uh-huh. He he let me get spanked, right? No, he let me get a timeout. No, he gave it to you. Yeah, right. Okay? So you learn. And you right. know who's got that ability. Right. Right? And you know now who is the Adonai Yahweh of the armies. Right. <laughs> who's yeah, in charge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's make yeah, no I mistake. Right. I'm the one doing this. I'm calling it out. I'm telling you in black and white. He's showing what it meant. What really happened? It's interesting that Eugene Peterson uh, uses God of the Angel Armies almost always to describe God. Yeah, you know, you're right, and he does. He uses that term in his translation, and that's why he's using that term is because of what we just talked about. Is because that actually host means armies here. Actually, the term for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very good, Gil. All right, so let's just keep going down. So, so Greg, I, I have a yeah. question. Yes. I understand all the things he's saying here. Is he saying this in, like, this broad sense? Like, this is, like, the history of, like, the Jewish people, like, that, you know, you're going to lose the supply of bread and water, and like, this is, like, over the, like, the course of the whole Bible, and then Jesus finally reconciles it? Or is he talking about, like, a specific time period, like in Isaiah, or is it both? Yes. <laughs> Excellent <laughs> question. Both? Excellent question, and here it is both. Okay. okay. Yeah. So that's why we're looking. That's why you notice that right now we haven't been dealing with a lot of history of what's going on with Assyria, Assyria. and how they're coming in, and Babylon's going to come in, Hezekiah. We're going to we're going to get to that once we start hitting chapter six. We will start getting to the actual historical situation of the specific thing that's happening and God's doing at that for those people at a specific time. What's happening in verses in chapters one through five is he's giving us a general, overall sense of how God works and how he's going to be doing things that you're right transcend. They can transcend not just the specific situation with Jude and Jerusalem, but other situations that happen too. Because I mean, I feel like it's like a revelation of God's character to us even today, like. I understand there's like a historical historical context of Syria, but I think it's like the same God of like, I mean he could cut he could cut these things off to us today as a punishment. That's right, that's right. Okay, and that's that's what's important to realize is that we're reading Isaiah. Yeah, that's why we're reading Isaiah because what we're le- learning here is something that can apply today. This right is now. all happening. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's all right here. So, I mean, we can look at this, and people will interpret this. And that's actually, that's part of the reason why going through Isaiah, too, is, and let's just keep keep moving on here. I think what Chad just said is right on. Let's understand how God works and the character of him and know who he is as our God. And then when we look at the world, 
and we see what's happening, we can hopefully discern through God's word things that are happening. Things that may be, and we're going to learn here in a minute, things that may be of God, or sometimes we might think something's of God when it's really about us, or it might have nothing to do with what God's doing. I mean, specifically like this. So it's it's good to see how God's character works here, and we're seeing that. In fact, this chapter right here, we're going to see as we go along, it's revealing a lot of the way of way God works. And then you can take that and go, okay, so now let's apply that maybe to today or something, some other situation. Okay, So we see him taking away things. We see it being replaced with <laughs> children, childish, incompetent leaders. We see what happens when that happens. You guys you use the word anarchy. People just start going after each other, all right, oppressing each other. Um, Bad political decisions are made because the guys that are in power now are idiots. Right, exactly. You know. And they are. And they are. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, in this situation. And now let's continue on, okay, in verse 6. All right, look at verse 6. So let's keep listening to what God's doing here. For a man will take hold of his brother in the house of his father, saying, You have a cloak, you shall be our leader, and this heap of ruins shall be under your your rule. In that day he will speak out, saying, I will not be a healer. In my house there is neither bread nor a cloak. You shall not make me leader of the people. What's going on here? Yeah. Listen to what now we're seeing such a breakdown of everything because God pulling his hands back and taking things away. What's what's now happening in this whole six and seven here? What do you see happening? Well, is he is he saying in the house of his father? Uh huh. Right? So a man will take hold of his brother. In the house of his father. What do you get an idea of happening? Think of a household. You know, in a household, you have authority. You have a father who is supposed to be the one in authority, right? Over the household. Which, what's, what's happening? Now you're getting down. Watch what's happening here. You're getting down to description of not just what's happening at a national level. You're seeing what's happening down, down at the family level. So it sounds like the father's no longer there. Or he's... He's, he's, he's dead or he's... Well, he's just not doing anything, right? Right. I mean... Uh-huh. It's, it seems like God has, like, taken his hands off and just, like, let them do their mess as a punishment. So, like, the father's, like, letting them do all their stupid things. Right. And then, like, like the, the, the one brother who's the worst brother, maybe... I don't know if he's actually worse or not, but that's kind of the message I got. Like, says to other brother, oh, like, come on, you fix this. Like, we've messed this up. Now you do it. And he's like, no, I'm not doing that. Like, Very good. It's your problem. <laughs> So you notice what's happening here? That's so whose responsibility is, is is what's happening in the family now? He did it. Nobody. <laughs> he did No. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Right. That's it. That's, right. that's exactly what's Passing happening. No, it's no, his no, fault. No, it's her fault. Nobody it's, wants it's to. It's dad's fault. Mom's fault. fault. It's a kid's fault. young <laughs> son in charge for a short time, right? Yeah. In history, if I remember right. Yeah. He doesn't want it. As a matter of fact, he gives it up pretty early on. Yeah. So you see what's happening all the way down at the family level. And look at the very last part. You shall not make me leader of the people. 
just a complete like things are so disintegrated even at the family level it's like no one's taking responsibility for anything no one wants to be a leader don't give that to me mm-hmm. there's a complete leadership is is not even a word anymore it's just That's a right. complete breakdown of anything <clears throat> that makes a society and a family function That's right. so is it, if you is think it about it it's all ruins too who wants to take that over yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is it that things are so bad that that nobody wants to wants to be a leader? That's exactly right. Or yes. is it because the leaders are the ones that were judged and removed somehow by God? Because if you go down towards the bottom, uh-huh. you know, it's basically saying God judges judged the leaders harshly because yes. because of mm-hmm. uh, what they did. So. So the answer, I think, again, is like we say, it's yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Of course. All of us happening. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very you good. You get rid of the police. You have a council culture, and everything is woke. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> and then no one wants to step in and fix it because you'll just get censored if you're trying to fix it. Right. right. There you go. So no one takes responsibility, but everybody points fingers at everybody else, yeah. right? And yeah. So you're yeah. Okay. Nothing new under the sun, right? Please be <laughs> Whatever you do, don't say anything that might be true. <laughs> Definitely okay. not too true. You're right. Yeah, definitely not that. <laughs> all right. So we see just this complete breakdown all the way through verse 7. Now let's go to ver- uh, page 24. Now, how does verse 8 start? Insane. All that. What? Sorry. Go ahead. Four. Yeah. Four. four. Okay. So there's that four again. Okay. It's not a golf. So... So now we see, you know, this is what's all happened. All these things have been removed. Society is just breaking completely down. And then verse 8, 4, or because Jerusalem has stumbled and Judah has fallen. Now I want you to notice, whose responsibility is God putting this on? His people. His people, right. Okay, so now notice, and notice the, the terminology. For Jerusalem has stumbled... Judah has fallen, and then we learn ultimately why. Why? This is you want to talk about something that applies. You want to talk about something that applies across all time, today, until Jesus comes again. Is this next statement? Why has proclaimed their sin like Sodom? Well, we're going to get to that. There's, there's Before we even get to that, look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. glorious presence means they've lost their relationship with God. They've lost yeah. their relationship with God. Why? Because what? What's the very first because there? Their speech and their deeds are against there the Lord. Right. There you go. Yep. Ah, yeah. Their speech and their deeds. Yeah. What you know, say the thing. Running away from God. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. That's good. That's good. Okay. So there, right there, you guys can underline that if you want to, okay? Yeah. That is, there you have the core of why is all this taking place. And again, I would say this this crosses every single time span of human history and will until Jesus comes again. Because their words or speech and their deeds are against the Lord. Yeah. Says it all. Says it all. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Throughout history. I, yeah. I think that's a little bit what I was getting at, where it's like um, like denying their need. Like, it's a, um, like all the way back in the garden, you know, the serpent's going, okay, you won't die. 
right? You'll be like God. And the uh-huh. idea uh-huh. of like his glorious presence is what's sustaining you. But to assume that that's ours, right? Mm-hmm. That it's not God, that's me, right? Right. To take for granted this sort of that God is underneath all of this, even the breath. You know, I mean, it's almost an act of mercy for God to show us how dependent we are. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. it, it actually totally. is. I think. Sort of withdraw that presence, and right. we're like, can't breathe. Right. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. the thing. It's like the dad. Yeah. There's a reason. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing this to hurt you. Right. I'm doing this so you don't make the mistake in a bigger way the next time and yes. or ever again. Yes. Whom right? the Lord loves, He chastens. Right. Yeah. Right. It is merciful. That's that's why that whole like realization of his observation of of us is because because we are looking at it from our perspective yeah. and the more people like the worst mm-hmm. right he's going no that, that's not how it works guys there could be bajillions of you or five of you it doesn't matter to me mm-hmm. it's ebbing and flowing it's your your one thing to me right mm-hmm. which is interesting too because you go well you know population expansion and it's all this you know you know, whatever. And what's going on with that? And then you come to realize it just—it's irrelevant in God's eyes, right? How much can the planet handle, really? Yeah. So there you. I mean, the, I mean, you hear God's just just being as direct as He can be. This is all happening ultimately because you have cut off your relationship with Me. He, Isaiah six that we keep reading over and over again. You no longer hear my words. You no longer see. You no longer understand with your heart. You've completely, you've cut me off. And so it goes back a little bit to you to say, so now God is, in essence, cutting himself off. We've really already done the cutting <laughs> as humans, but now we're seeing the result of what that ha- what happens as a result of that. Okay, and ultimately define his glorious presence. We're saying, God, you don't matter. I don't care that you're here. Okay, it's sort of like yeah, telling your, telling your wife, you know, I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. All right, um, but it just complete cut off. And then looks what look what happens. Verse nine, again because for <laughs> you see the sort of building that God's doing. Okay, so because you've done that, for the look on their faces bears witness against them. They proclaim their sin like Sodom. They do not hide it. Sounds just like Romans 1, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay, so all of a sudden sin is not something that is kept hidden. No. It is something completely out of the open. They're You're bragging about it. Right? Yeah. Proud, proud, proud exactly. Pride. I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you guys, I, you know, don't like to call out people, but it's not so much to call out people, but just to howl nothing new under the sun. All right. Um, and this is just sad to say it, but I mean, here's a really, really good example of exactly what ha- God is talking about here. And I'll say this as I do it. All of us could be what I'm going to read. This is why God is telling all of us, we need to be really careful that we keep Hearing the words of God, doing the deeds of God, 
be in a relationship with God. Because even those who declare that relationship with God can lose that. So, I'm going to read an article to you. This is just recent. Okay? I don't know if you guys know this person. Um, so, I'm going to call him out at this point. His name is Jeff Jansen. He is one of the self-proclaimed prophets that is very, very popular these days. All right? And this is an article um, about what's happened to him. All right? So, evangelical pastor, and this is just came out just a couple weeks ago. Evangelical pastor Jeff Jansen, a self-described prophet, has been asked to step down from the ministry he co-founded. I'm going to just skip through stuff. It is with deep sorrow that Jeff, Jeff Jansen has been asked by his board to step down as co-senior leader of Global Fire Church and from Global Fire Ministries due to... Due to... And this is a Newsweek article, by the way. Due to unscriptural and unbiblical behavior. Does that sound sort of like because their speech and their deeds... Mm-hmm. are no longer with the Lord. Rather than, this is a quote from the elders of that had him set down, rather than submit to the process of healing and restoration, Jeff recently made an intentional decision to leave his wife and family to quote-unquote pursue his own desires. He remains unrepentant and unremorseful. This is an evangelical prophet, okay, that has been very, very popular out there. His wife, who he's leaving, says Jeff never really humbled himself enough to get healing for his soul and seal the cracks. Jan Jansen, his wife, reiterated that her husband had chosen to leave her and his children. And all family to, and this is what his wife said, to quote unquote pursue his own desires. Every one of us <laughs> have that temptation. And you just see exactly what we're having, what you see in Isaiah right here. You see that it can be anybody. It can be, and here it's a leader. Here's someone who's very highly, I mean, been listened to by thousands and thousands of evangelical Christians, quote unquote, have followed this person and listened to his prophecies and everything and followed who he is. And yet he's just, he is doing what Isaiah is talking about here. Yeah. One of the other things that I, I, I pick up in, in this in terms of the way God is speaking to us and laying it out in terms of his perception of, of us is that and something I am conscious of in, in uh, uh, Christian and or spiritual whatever people are going down their path there's that d- sense in us I think that wants to separate ourselves from that guy yeah. right or that behavior or some these these people Right? Yeah. When in reality, God's looking at all of us and going, you are all one. Right? right? You are all one. Right. You are the and prostitute. And when that happens, that affects all of us. Right. His, that's what's, what's really hard that people in leadership forget, and Isaiah's teaching us this, is as leaders, 
we are responsible for people. Right. Mm -hmm. And when we as leaders fall, it is not just our own selfish desires to follow our own way. We are being held responsible by God for all those that he put us in leadership to watch over. And we should be. As we should be. Exactly. Greg? Yes. Greg? Yes. Yeah. Why don't you say a few words about the ministry you were in in in, uh, the Bay Area and how the fall affected others? Can you do that? Well, I won't. I mean, I won't just because of time. I mean, at some point I can share okay. that. Um, I mean, I personally, what Gil's referring to is I've experienced this myself in too many, in a, a couple of situations. I'm here today actually because of a senior pastor who did this so and we, fell. So we can say thank you. We got the better. He would sell. Well, he would sell. I think Charlie would say something. Yeah, are you going to say something? It reminds me of Ruth Graham who was asked if she ever considered divorcing Billy Graham. She said, divorce, never. Murder, Murder more than yeah. once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I'm going to, and to, to sort of pull us out of this um, a little bit, I, this is a quote from Jeff's favorite person in the whole world, other than God and his wife and his family. <laughs> and his church. And, and, and all of us. Anybody want to guess who I'm going to quote? Either C.S. Lewis or So this is C.S. Lewis. I, I love, here's a practical, here's a, here's a practical application of what we just read. This is from C.S. Lewis and Bear Christianity. And this is what C.S. Lewis talks about, you know, what happens if, I, if he starts going down this type of a path. He says, but progress means getting nearer to the place where you want to be. And if you have taken a wrong turn, then to go forward does not get you any nearer. If you are on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. And in that case, a man who turns back soonest is the most progressive man. Oh. I would guess I would say the most righteous man. Hmm. We have all seen this when doing arithmetic. When I have started a sum the wrong way, started doing arithmetic the wrong way, the sooner I admit this and go back and start again, the faster I'll get on. There is nothing progressive about being a pig-headed and refusing to admit a mistake. And I think if you look at the present state of the world, it is pretty plain that humanity has been making some big mistakes. We are on the wrong road. And if that is so, we must go back. Going back is the quickest way on. Yeah. Mm. I thought that was really well said. Absolutely. By him. Repent. Repent. That's Thank you. <laughs> all put up into that one word, repent. Exactly. And repent doesn't mean just turn. Repent has the idea that I'm turning back so I can move forward. I mean, it's, 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 it is it's just exactly what the CFP is talking about here. Right. Right. Same thing happens with a painting. Yeah, and and it is never back to the beginning. Yeah, it is never too late. (laughs) I mean, I think that's what happens is people get themselves caught up in sin, and you start you start rolling and rolling and rolling, and you go, oh my gosh, too many people. This would happen if this would happen. I've got to hide it more and more and more and more. Maybe I'll turn out okay anyway. It's not just go back to the beginning. Yes, admit it all. 
get it out there, you know, trust God. Yeah. Turn back to God. You know, so, um, mm-hmm. all right. So let's continue here, get through mm-hmm. the rest of this. Um, so then in verse 9, woe to them. Pretty much sums it up. And then I want you to take a look at what it says, which is, this now is a, notice that after the woe to them, 9D, or whatever you want to call it, right before verse 10, <clears throat> you have another 4. So you can sort of see this chain, because, 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 because. Why did, this, why did all this get pulled away? Because Jerusalem stumbled and Judah fell. Why did they fall? Because their speech and deeds were against the Lord. Um, then why why are why is it that they um, do not hide their sins anymore because of what we just said, and then ultimately it comes down to this again another key statement here when we look at the way God's character works and sin works in our lives. For they have brought evil on themselves. Yep, absolutely. For they have brought evil on themselves. I did, I did want to um, yeah. give a quote. So um, I think I heard Oz Guinness say this. I don't know if he mm. made it up. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's probably, you know, it's um, hypocrisy is the, hom- is the homage that vice pays to virtue. So hypocrisy is the homage that vice pays to virtue. Huh. It means that if you're a hypocrite, at least you're pretending to be good, right? But in this verse it says they're not even pretending anymore. No, they're like, it's blatant, right? It's, it's not even hypocrisy, is I guess. Yeah. yeah I mean, hypocrisy is yeah. not good, it's, but this is almost like... this is like, <laughs> we're not even going to pretend. We're not even pretending. No. Yeah. Right. Satan's they're mind. proud of it, right? Yeah. 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 It's like... They're that's just Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. I mean, that's yeah. like, we just are, it's just all out there. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so you see what ends up happening is this, you know, this gets a lot of theology you get into is like, you know, well, why do people go to hell? Well, in essence, if you were to try to answer that question, God's sort of answering this himself. Okay, hell is the place where they have brought this upon themselves. Right. If there's going to be someone in hell, they're going to be there because they put themselves there. <laughs> okay? That, that evil has brought it upon themselves. I was thinking here, it's like a boomerang. You know, I thought I was going to get boomerangs to play around with in here, but then I thought there's a lot of lights that we probably would not be good at. <laughs> but if you take a boomerang, what happens? What you throw out comes, comes back. back to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, around, And around. you see that that actually is part of what you see what's happening in our lives, is if we throw out doing evil, if we throw out saying we don't care about others, if we throw out the way we treat others, all this... It's just going to come back around. Wapo. Boom. All right. What's what's this guy doing? His wife and his kids. I mean, we, go, we, it, we talk about, the, it's not just his ministry, but it comes all the way down to his wife and his kids. He's just completely left them. And so I'm going to go off and do my own thing. All right. So what's going to happen if he doesn't repent, which he obviously is not? It's going to happen what happened to all of us. It's like this boomerang. That he, what I've thrown out and done is just going to come right back and, and take off his head. Yeah. yeah. So, Greg, one thing I can't stop thinking about as we read through this is like I understand like 
the implications and the like what this means for us like personally like you know if we were in that guy's shoes or like the little things we do that maybe aren't on that scale right. or like even like us as a church right if like someone here does something like that like how God would call us to confront that person right and like you know that could bring judgment on a church like the church that you know you were a part of like with that pastor right but it seems like this is like and that makes sense but it also seems like it's talking about like this is like bigger like really massive picture of maybe like the church as a whole, like all the churches, like all of God's children. It is. And it's like, what I struggle with, like, with the make of it is like, I understand how we would do that, like here in this church, if someone was doing something or like maybe someone you're connected to, like how do we respond to that as like a, a whole church? Is like, you know, you have these churches who are going off the rails doing this crazy stuff. Like, right. like what does God call us to do with that? Because like, I feel like this in Isaiah has to do with that. And I understand like speaking truth, but then there's ones that are just going to continue to go off. And it's almost like, they affect all these things, like you said, like it affects everyone. So they're like steering the ship in the wrong direction and like they won't listen to like the right, right. direction. So I don't know like the heart God wants us to have like towards them and like with that. Yeah, and I don't know if I can answer that easy. I guess what I would yeah. what I would say is first of all, Isaiah's gonna be talking about that more along as we go along. Mm. Okay, so I mean this is the theme, this this idea of leadership and how do you react to it and what do you do is gonna be a theme that goes along. I think if you take sort of the or you call principles we're seeing, but the character of God is what we're seeing here. We understand how God's character works, okay? Um, it can help us maybe as leaders of how to react to that. I mean, I think I've said this before. I don't know if I said it in the pulpit or what, but I mean, when I was an elder here, okay, a few years ago, we had a situation with a, someone in the church, and um, it was not a good situation, and we as elders took action. And we addressed the situation. I was like, wow, that's very refreshing <laughs> to see that church discipline. That's why you do it, because you're not just, you're protecting the person, but you're protecting the body. I mean, that's what the elder's job is, is to watch over this church. And that's in the Bible. And it's what? That is in the Bible to do Yeah. That. Oh, absolutely. And part of the reason why is because you're looking at seeing what, what Isaiah is talking about here, God's character. If we don't do that, what will happen? we will be responsible for letting that boomerang <laughs> go out and just come right back. And, and the church discipline part like makes sense to me. Like I understand, like I hope that if I did something like that, you know, the same thing here would apply to me. But it's like the idea is like frustrating of like the church as a whole, not like our church, just all the churches across the board doing yeah. things. And it's like, man, it's like we see this and it's like, wow, it really sucks if we're going that direction because I feel like things are. And it's like, it's almost like a helpless feeling. Well, I can't really. Uh, I can try and speak the truth, but like, people are ultimately going to make their own decisions, and those decisions are eventually going to affect us. Right. Right. The next verse might be comforting for you. Then. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Read the next verse. Uh, sorry, I was in the Hebrew version. Okay. <laughs> Tell the righteous that it shall be well with uh, with them. Yeah. Very good. For they shall eat the fruit of their deeds. Yeah. So this is kind of out of nowhere, right? Yeah. It's all about. Mm. You know, so, and then all of a sudden there's like, tell the right, but tell the righteous that they're going to be okay. Yeah. And, and here, okay doesn't mean they're not going to get, they're not going to experience some of the consequences of it, but it says ultimately God is watching over those right. who are righteous. Right. Okay. And I think, and Chad, I think you're bringing up, I mean, we could talk about this for a long time, but I think as we read through Isaiah, we'll see more of what you're talking about. What is our response way? What do we do? Um, I'm going to come back constantly to verse 8 and what we're reading Isaiah 6 about over and over again is we need to be a people 
who are in relationship with the Lord, hearing, seeing, understanding his words, living those words, being people who our speech and deeds are not against the Lord, but we are for the Lord. Right. And his presence is here, and we trust. There's a, there is a level of trust. If you look at what happens to Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles 20, all right, it's like God will take care of the evil. Yeah. Okay, our job, we have certain responsibilities which we will learn here in Isaiah as leaders and as a church. We do those and we are faithful to those. But there's also a point where it's God's going to take responsibility for the big, the big the, picture. The bigger picture, mm-hmm. right. And I, 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 that made me, when you said that, it was, it was like that I struggle, I wrestled with that too. And that's where I think God is communicating that ebb and flow of here I look at you as individuals and I look at you as an entire body okay mm-hmm. so that you can see that right and where it's like tell the righteous right so then that puts the onus on us individually clearly right right, right. like wh- what can you do we you can make yourself Righteous. Yeah, we can seek after righteousness. Right. For, for, for the, the, uh, what we have to put into that. Right. And that that's like that one person. I, I, I trained some teenagers in this one. We were like, well, well, but that's the whole world. You're going against the whole world. You know, everyone <laughs> everyone does it like this, right? And I said, until <laughs> until you don't. Until you don't. All it takes is you, me. one person, and now the whole world doesn't do it all like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. And you set the example. All right, so I want to get through so we can finish off in the next couple few minutes. So Pete just read um, verse 11, Woe to the wicked, it shall be ill with them. For what his hands have dealt out shall be done to them. My people, infants are their oppressors, women rule over them. Again, this breakdown of everything. Oh, my people, is another good phrase, your guides misleader, mislead you. And they have swallowed up the course of your paths. Here's another good reason why each one of you needs to be in the Word. is because ultimately each one of you is responsible to make sure that whoever you're listening to that's guiding you are people who are following the Lord. And that you yourselves are in the Word of God. It's not relying on mm-hmm. Jeff to preach the Word of God and I don't have to really read it myself. All right. I mean, that's ultimately what's going to happen is you're going to end up having people who are going to try guiding you who are not really speaking the word of God or living the word of God and they're going to make you sway somewhere else. So ultimately, all of us are responsible for that. All my people, your guides mislead you. That's why we, each one of us needs to be, we ultimately are responsible for hearing God's word and then collectively we do that. <laughs> you know, so. All right, then you get now to the ultimate judgment. Okay, and this is going to sort of finish off this whole section. We're going to get to the place where God's now going to say, what, you remember how he said, like, what is it that started all this? I mean, I talked about the boomerang effect. Okay, you know, you throw evil out, you throw this out, it's going to come right back unto you. Well, what is it ultimately the people here are being judged for? What is the ultimate, what, what is it that, has brought this all about. And it, Isaiah is going to tell us now. He says, and listen to this language. It's like God, the Lord, is has taken his place. It's like you can pay. He's on the judgment seat. Okay. 
and says, The Lord Yahweh has taken his place to contend. He stands to judge peoples. Yahweh will enter into judgment with the elders and princes of his people. And what is the judgment that ultimately is upon them? What is it that has caused all of this? And now he's going to tell us. It is you who have devoured the vineyard. The spoil of the poor is in your houses. What do you mean by crushing my people by grinding the face of the poor? Declares Adonai Yahweh of armies. So this is now the ultimate cause of their judgment. It's because what are they doing? And we read about this earlier. What are the people, what, what is it that's bringing this judgment on them? What is the sin? What is the evil? What is it they're actually doing? He tells us right here. Denying the helping the poor and the, and the, right. the widows. That's right. The, the that we had read earlier. Remember we said this is what God's politic looks like? <laughs> okay? Seek justice. Do good. Bring out of oppression the father and the widowless. Wid- widow the fools that are in charge too are taxing the heck out of them. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to read to you instead of having each other. Just here's here's an example of exactly what he's talking to that goes back to De- De- Deuteronomy. Um Deuteronomy 15, and I'll we'll sort of close with with this. Listen, what is Deuteronomy what? So Deuteronomy 15, and I'm going to read 7 through 11. It's just an example of what he's referring back to here that the people are actually doing. What is it that's bringing all this judgment on there? It says so 15, 7 through 11. Okay. Um, for there will never cease to be poor in the land, poor people in the land, poor. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. If your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you, he shall serve you six years, and in the seventh year he shall, you shall let him go free. Um, I think this was no seven through eleven is where I wanted to go. That just right there, that part. Oh, here it is. Sorry, I'm reading the wrong part. Yeah, looking. That's one part I want to read. But twenty-four. Sorry, I was at the wrong one. Deuteronomy twenty-four. Twenty through twenty-one, which is also pretty much what we just read. But twenty-four. Twenty through twenty-one. When you bear. Beat your all well, let me just read. Okay. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. You shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God, Yahweh your Elohim, may bless you and all the work of your hand. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again. It shall be for the sojourner, the father, the less, and the widow. When you guide when you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterwards. It shall be for the so- I can never say that word. sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. You shall remember 
that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, the judgment here, what's being the boomerang, what they're being judged for is God, as he just says, remember you once were that poor, that followed us, that widow. You once were that slave in Egypt. Who is it that brought you out of that and saved you from that oppression? Yahweh. And now what is Judah and Jerusalem doing and ultimately being judged for? They are doing the same thing. They're building their military might. They're building their wealth. They're doing all these things and they're forgetting to do for the least of them what God did for them. Which are like a type this of is slaves. A, yeah, slaves. This is a theme throughout Isaiah. This is where the judgment comes down on God's people is when the very ones we have been saved and yet we turn around and execute judgment and don't take care of the very people that we once were. We were the sinners, but we don't go and help the sinners, the brother, get out of sin. Okay, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just fascinating here because ultimately this is the judgment God's bringing upon throughout, throughout Isaiah here. You see this. This theme over and over again. If you don't treat those who are the least of them, this is what ultimately will happen. I've given you this responsibility to care for those who cannot care for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's, when I read that, I just go, whoo. <laughs> <laughs> is there something as a group I keep thinking this as I read this too is there something as a group that we can be participating in in, in those both those ways probably a lot probably. of things. but I mean <laughs> is there something that we can organize that we could collectively participate in probably I would say yes Okay. we need to be doing looking at that exactly okay. They have the, the Big Brothers organization they have organized I don't know yeah. if they're and we have I mean we do as a church we have we do have things that we are specifically we have a number of ministries which part of Jeff and I have talked about this in the elders so we need to let our congregation know more about this it's like Billy that spoke the other week okay I mean we have a number of missionaries who actually are out doing a lot of this stuff that we support okay but that's also more out there we want to and one of Jeff's heart Jeff's heart is to, that we start doing that more here locally Right. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. And I mean, that's one. We don't want to give up what we're doing over there, but we also, it's we as a church tended to focus. To be very blunt, <laughs> can I be blunt? We tended to focus in our missions on more of the world. Okay. And we can. We're going to keep that, but we also need to be wanting to say we want to focus more on what's happening across the street. Our own right. backyard. Our own backyard. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And that's a big heart. People in our church. Yeah, and that's a big heart of Jess, which I love. It's the elders want to change that. We're already starting to change the missions committee and the look of that so we can do exactly what you're asking for there. Um, so we need to do this as a church, but we need to do this as individuals, as people too. Right. It's, it's very convicting. <laughs> when I read this, I go... Well, it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. It is, right? It is. Like if we go, if you meet your end tomorrow and you're not doing that, like I, I don't know, I'm a little concerned. Yeah. Like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, this is half a joke and half not, but like just things in our church. Like, I don't know, what comes to mind is like with the youth group, like we could use more help with that. Like, yeah. that's the way we could do that. All those things. Excellent. But, I mean, yes, but specifically fatherless and widows. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And here, fatherless and widows sure and sojourners, it's encompassing right. those who are both believers and not believers mm-hmm. who can't take care of themselves. Can't take care of themselves. All right. Well, they had no need status, need you know. to come alongside, but well, they just had no status. Yeah. They were like stripped of their value. Right. 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 So right. Today we have those specific types of groups, but we have other groups that fit into that same type of a sure. of of that. So. All right. Mm. <laughs> That's what you keep saying. <laughs> so what, what if we, uh, in terms of a call to action on that, what, what do we do? We should we should talk about that. Come back next yeah. week with something we can do. Okay. That's all. That's homework for everyone. Yeah. Sure. That'd be yeah. so great. If we yeah. decided to like pick one. Yeah. Oh, like I'll jump into something. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great? It'd be so good. I mean, yeah. it's, it clearly is critical. Yeah. yeah. It's like non-negotiable, really. Yeah. No, I mean, I like the energy. I feel like we just have to do it at some point. Like, you could sit around. At some point. point. Right. I think that now is that some point. We could all yeah, be dead tomorrow. Be that's pretty bummed out, right? <laughs> Looking at you going, what, you, what were you doing? Even, you know, we used to do this more, and I don't know if they're doing this as much, but... Um, we used to do meals at the friendship shelter, uh-huh, and sure. we'd just show up and host a meal right. and serve them. Right. Um, I used to do that too. Yeah. Well, it could something like that where we just all, each of us bring something, we prepare a meal and host a meal that we could go serve there. So I mean, that? that might be. Uh, maybe that's. I think it'd be cool to actually dig into something and be able to truly um, commit to something that's a much longer term lifelong kind of a deal and really change some lives and do some some true good not just something that makes us feel good for a moment right yeah, yeah. that's good very good. good point yeah all right so i'm going to end with just reading what i was trying to read before and i had my wrong verse so just as a way to way to um, summarize what you're saying there, here's a good. This is a good section of scripture to be thinking through this. This is Deuteronomy 15:7 through 11. I had it all wrong before. If among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother. But you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Take care, lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart. It's like getting right to your heart here too. Okay? And you say, well, the seventh year, the year of release is near. And, you, and your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother and you give him nothing. And he cries to the Lord against you and you be guilty of sin. You shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him. Because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. And Lord Jesus, we I just I thank you for... Even right now, Jason, just calling out, like, 
<laughs> this is what your word says. What do we do? And Father, we do pray. Give us that discernment. Convict us in our heart, Lord. Individually, in our families, in our church, Lord. That we can be a people. A people who look at others in the same way you looked at us. For when we were yet sinners, you died for us. Be with us, Lord. Thank you for your glorious presence. Amen. 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 Amen.